Hello there, this is episode five of Better Ideas. I'm architect Pete Calhoun, and this week it's all about sustainable living. Now over the next few weeks, I'll be chatting to the Better Homes and Gardens crew on exactly what that means and how we can get some better ideas to make that practical for all of us. I'll also be talking to a bunch of experts and they'll be sharing their tips on all things sustainable, including growing your own, saving money tips, and even getting some great upcycling ideas. That's right here on Better Ideas over the next few weeks. This week we're talking to two-time Michelin star chef Bruno LeBert. Now Bruno's been the head chef at some of London's top restaurants and now he's the creator of Seeds by Bruno LeBert at Brisbane Airport. He's the first guy to really make vegetables the star of the recipe. To impress somebody with a, a few leeks is far more difficult than impress somebody with a steak, you know? But first up, Joanna Griggs starts a sustainable living conversation. And as always, Jo's been very generous. She's brought along a whole heap of photos. Now, to look at them, you need to download the Acast app. Well worth doing. Let's get into it. Today, we're talking about sustainable living. And one of the real heroines of sustainable <laughs> living is Joanna Griggs. And Jo, we've visited a lot of homes. And yeah. sustainable living is front and centre in all contemporary design. And it's one of your core philosophies when you're designing your places. Yeah, when we're designing our places, Pete, but also because our audience keeps telling us that is what they're feeling more and more passionate about. They want more of it in their lives. They want to know how they can incorporate it into their homes, into their gardens. So I guess it's been through the exposure of that um, and also Todd and I run a construction company so we're very conscious of, of what both our clients want and what we want to see in our own places that we've been able to take it that little bit further at the farm I mean our goal is to be able to live off the grid within five years and produce about 90% of our food intake you know we're hypocrites we breed cattle so all the good that we're doing with the sustainable mm. living you can say well you're actually doing the the opposite by breeding cattle for people who are really really passionate about it it's just our a little bit that we can do where we feel like we're living as responsibly as we can while still involving the passions that we love. So we breed cattle, we've got three dogs and we've got bees. As far as the home, we don't have town water, so we run solely off water tanks. And the key with that is loads of water tanks. And then as far as the produce, Todd through some health issues is on a, a mainly plant-based diet. So at home, we eat plant-based diets the whole time. And so I'm then able to produce most of our food um, from our garden. One of the stories that we did a couple of years ago at a, a place called The Cape, which is Australia's most sustainable and ecological home design entire village. And every person who buys into The Cape, they also get a certain part of the vegetable garden, which has now become this enormous garden that then has community, local you know, fruit and vegetable sales for the broader community. And it was there I first saw these amazing wicking beds. They were, they're called biofilter wicking beds. And what made them different from your normal wicking beds? So if you're describing a wicking bed to somebody, basically you put your water on the bottom, you have a bit of drainage on the bottom, and your plants draw up whatever water they need. It's a bit like putting tissue paper in, in water and yeah. seeing the water draw up through the tissue. It's the same sort of principle. Yeah, but if you kept garden. putting tissues, it would want to draw up a lot, whereas plants grow at different rates, depending on what you're planting, require different amounts of water at different times. Like Some fruit and vegetables hate having wet feet. Others will thrive in it so you know they all go at different rates so the great thing about these beds is they come in all sorts of different things you have like war cubes food cubes that are one meter by one meter or we've got three meter by one meter 
huge beds. They link up underneath, but they've got a plastic gap between where your soil hits the water. And that's probably the single biggest thing that stops the biggest issue that a lot of people have with wicking beds, which is where the soil meets the water, it can get a bit smelly. So these guys, have, they've got great aeration, a definite break between where the, the dirt hits the water and a very special soil that is really fibrous. So it's got a lot of you know coconut fibre and scoria and stuff in it. So you do a bit of work in the setup of it. You've got to make sure they're 100% level because all of the beds are linked. So you only have one watering point. Now the reason we put it in at the farm is we have to be very careful with our water. We put a tank right at the top of a hill, we pump from another tank up to there and then that tank is gravity fed down into the wicking beds. You have a little tube at the end that tells you how much water you've got in the bottom and then basically I put them in last September. We've only just recently had some rain but I've only had to water them seven times. But I have had the most astounding amount of produce out of them. We have surprised ourselves. We knew it was going to be good. We just didn't realise how good. So we're in the great position where we can not only feed ourselves and do all of our food from our gardens, but we can actually give away so much food to family and friends. Talking about wicking beds, W-I-C-K-I-N-G, wicking beds. People have been growing backyard vegetables forever in all sorts of plots and all sorts of locations. Why, though, would someone go to the trouble of buying a wicking bed? What makes them unique and what makes them special? The lack of maintenance in the garden was a really big factor for me and then the ease of being able to have it aerated and just that one watering point. I can race up and set a clock for five minutes and let the water run for five minutes it's full and I know that that'll go for another couple of weeks. How much room do I need to put in a wicking bed? We've got uh, three metre by one metre beds, but you can get one metre by one metre beds. You can get food walls that just go up. You know, if you've got a, a very narrow backyard, they can you can stack them up on the walls. One of the, the ideas that this company, Biofilter Urban Farms, has is they're wanting to put a lot more vegetable gardens on rooftops. As we know, the problem with a lot of rooftop gardens are your loadings and your engineering. People love the idea of it, but then they go to, to yep. an architect or the architect goes, go to the engineer, and the engineer the goes, well, now you yep. need you yep. know so much more steel put in so the food cubes are quite light in the loading and, and so we're going to see this year hopefully you and mm. I will be actually uh, showing one of their first gardens with the prototypes on top with these food cubes which don't have the weight of what you would normally see and yet pr- can produce a huge amount of food. What type of stuff are you growing in here? Uh, wicking beds. Wicking beds, yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, um, when I first put stuff in for the summer thing, I think I did what everyone does, which is you just get so excited that you're finally planting veggies. So I put in six zucchini bushes. I didn't realise that that would mean that I'd have to end up having to cut back quite a lot of that to keep the aeration underneath it. And I had about 50 million zucchinis. Mm. And I mean, we had zucchini slice, zucchini. <laughs> Zucchini bread, zucchini. We, oh, we had zucchinis sorry, every, sorry. everywhere and we, and we couldn't give zucchinis away to enough people. Like yeah. It was quite amazing. So Graham Ross and, and Dr. Harry were funnily enough the two people who said, look, veggie gardens are, are funny because you get so excited you put everything in and then more time comes and you actually work out what you actually need. Mm. That's how you learn. You actually learn through mistakes. We put corn, we put asparagus, we put, uh, at the moment all my brassicas are in, so cauliflower, broccoli, cabbages, beetroots, carrots, fennel, onions. I've got horseradish, which is great because you have to wait just for the first frost for that. Yeah, get your root out and you can keep that in your freezer for six months and just, you know, have great fresh horseradish every single day. It's just learning by growing all the herbs, obviously loads of greens and spinaches and, and you just... 
you just become obsessed. So all the, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> Joe. Look, if your aim is to be off the grid and 100% sustainable, I think you're well underway. And, and Toddy's coming solar. along, whether he likes it or not. Still got to do solar. Look, we, we're waiting for the next generation of batteries before we do the solar, solar at the farm okay. because yep. at the moment the batteries are still big, and everyone who who I know a lot more about it than I do have have said just hold off. When we were first doing the wicking beds, I can tell you, Todd was he was just so dubious because you know we had to level out a big space, mm. uh, which he loved because he could use his excavator. But we had to leave it for a while to settle, and then yeah, you know, it was a lot of work. Yeah, there was the upfront cost. He has said to me now, you know, fifteen times over, I cannot believe that I was ever hesitant about this. I cannot believe how much money we're actually saving. Growing. Really? Yeah, well, because we, we harvest all our seeds now, so anything I let go to seed because one, my bees love that. I can see how much they love when you let your basil go to flower and all the rest of it. And then you just collect your seeds, hang them up, let them dry, take them out, mark them, put them in a little sealed container in the fridge, and basically you've then got your harvest for next year. So it takes a bit of work, but it is so satisfying. I mean, I think I've had trips up and back to Sydney when I've had my little seedlings just starting out. They take up the whole back seat of the car. <laughs> and when Todd's got them, I'm like, God, these with your life. These are our babies. <laughs> this is like... I think you're crazy, but I love it because I know I'm going to eat all this. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, thanks for coming in and wising us up on sustainable living. We've covered a few bases there, but wicking beds, I reckon they're the go. They are the go. And look, I just bought my first little um, wood whittling set, so in a couple, give me a couple <laughs> of a months and I can be back I can be back in here with a wooden spoon for you. Oh, I'll bring the banjo. <laughs> You've got to love Joe's passion about wicking beds, but look, I've got to confess, I'm not a gardener. Haven't got a green thumb, but I can cook bacon and eggs. Now, next up, another real treat. I'm talking to a Michelin star chef, Bruno Le Beur. This guy's French. This guy's a world leader. A bit nervous. So just describe your garden there in Queensland, Bruno. What have you got and what are you growing? I'm growing a lot of different things. You know, for me, coming from England and having maybe six months where you can grow things and then the rest of the time is kind of dormant. When here, Queensland, we can grow all year long, you know, and I'm growing everything, you know. I have a beetroot, I have French cabbage, I have a shards, a lot of cucumbers, a lot of radishes, a lot of spinach, zucchini. Uh, I have so many I have to give to, the, to my pigs. <laughs> and my chickens. Uh, You've got a lot to zucchini, feed, Bruno. Zucchini and cucumbers at the moment I give to the pigs and the chicken are too many, you know, which is a bit embarrassing. Yesterday I ended up to bring some to my neighbors because I feel <laughs> embarrassed to give to the to the animals. And and what a waste in a way, you know. But yeah. um yeah, so everything is growing very well. Well Bruno, they're the best fed pigs in Queensland, there's no doubt about that. Um Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I backtrack slightly? I mean, your journey's been a phenomenal one. I mean, you've graced the, the greatest restaurants in the world, created some indeed, a Michelin star uh, yeah. chef yourself. Tell us about the philosophy, though, because your teeth, your fingers, your soul, your heart is in sustainable living and sustain- sustainability yeah. and focusing on vegetables as the main ingredient in a meal as opposed to the meat. Just explain yeah. that philosophy. You know, as a child, we used to eat meat uh, not very often, and that was more, I think, a uh, financial thing. As, as a chef on the professional side, I work in some of the top restaurants in the world. And, you know, when you work in all these kitchens, you use all the best products available on the market coming from all over the world. You cook all this beautiful food, and it is beautiful, and I've done all this. But through my career, working in all these kitchens and doing all these things day to day, I realized at the end that 
it's all about you have to do more than what you've been doing because you've been selfish. You've been cooking the best chicken, the best beef, the best veal, the best lambs coming from different areas in the world. You know, we have the best uh, lamb in the Pyrenees or in North mm. of Spain, the best veal from Italy, the best beef from Scotland, the best lobster from yeah. Scotland, yeah, etc., etc. And the thing is, I realize that we were consuming far too much meat, you know, and more and more I look at it, more and more I dig in it, more and more I realize that it's actually a huge problem and uh, not to say a disaster. So I decided, well, you know, I need to change. And, and then, of course, I remember as a child, we used to eat uh, much more lean, you know, uh, much more vegetables and wild stuff. So I said, well, I'm going to start to cook like that again, you know, like like my childhood. It is, uh, it's actually now a necessity, you know. Okay, we can't uh, just stop to produce meat one day to the other because that would be terrible for many people around the world. Actually, that would be detrimental for many people around the world. So for the moment, why don't we have a good transition? Why don't we eat less uh, animal product and more plant-based? And when you eat uh, animal product, pay more for it and, and have higher quality. This is slowly becoming more ingrained, pardon the pun, with, with modern living, no doubt. But you opened the grain store uh, you know, a, a number of years ago in London, yeah. and this was a new revolutionary idea of making the greens, making the vegetables, the, yeah. the signature piece. You know, we have, say, two, three months at the beginning where some people were arguing with us and, you know, looking at the menu with funny face saying, oh, where's my meat or what's <laughs> this? I don't understand. Or whatever. And some people look at him with a big smile thinking like, wow, what a great idea, you know, on a technical, uh, you know, restaurant point of view. When you have a restaurant working more on vegetables, you need more staff than a restaurant working more on, on meat. And the reason is to make a leak, to impress somebody with a, a few leaks, is far more difficult than impress somebody with a stick, you know? And uh, yeah, <laughs> so you right. need to put, basically, you need to put much more work in it, you know? Well, leeks is a good example. We used to do leeks. We take the whole leek, you know, wash it before. We used to put in a wood-burning oven, leave it to burn, actually. The, the really? two first layers burn, yeah. and then you take them off, you leave them to rest outside, and then when they cool down, you peel off the two first layers, which are completely burned, but the inside is moist, juicy, delicious, because... There is no exchange of, of flavors with anything else. You don't have any like, loss of flavor. Like when you boil something or when you steam something, you will always have a loss of flavor. Mm-hmm. And, but there, because he cooks in his own shell, in his own moisture, you retain all the flavor. In a way, you even concentrate the flavor. Mm. So you eat the leek, and this is the best leek you ever eat. It's well, very simple. Well, you Bruno, know? you've slowly been turning around carnivorous culture. What are some of the other signature dishes that people loved? Maybe for me, one of the most prevalent a dish which I call chili con veggie. So obviously there is a, the famous dish chili con carne, carne in Spanish being, being uh, meat. So I call it chili con veggie. But my philosophy was I take a dish, uh, a popular dish, and then try to make it in a vegetarian version or at least use less uh, animal product in this dish. You know, you can't bastardize a dish and make something just for the sake of it. You need to be good or as good, if not better in some cases, you know. Case of the chili con, con carne becoming the chili con veggie, I replaced the meat with uh, mushrooms, so ground mushrooms. And mushrooms, when they stew, they have this richness and they feel like stew meat, you know. Mm. Still put all the, the other vegetables and sometimes even more, you know, mm. all cut very finely and cook with all the spice. Will you speak more like an artist than a chef, Bruno? I mean, what should they be growing in their gardens in terms of vegetables, in terms of herbs and spices, do you think is your basic palette in which to create some vegetable dishes? 
Now, a very simple way to start would be to grow some salads, green salads, because they are quite easy. They grow quite fast. Mm-hmm. So you, you kind of get the reward pretty quick. May incite you to go on and, and, and do more with your garden. But the beginning, you should start with salads. It's quite easy. And then, you know, you can grow different uh, kind of salad, different. So you have, um, you get uh, different varieties. So the flavors are different. The texture are different. You have some leaves which are quite uh, greeny, some leaves which are quite bitter or, you know, di- different. And also the texture change. And if you have a big bowl of salad like that, oh my God, what a, what a must, you know, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Nothing to compare with salad you will buy in a, in a shop. You know, salad you buy in the shops, for me, when I cut the, my lawn, it's more tasty, you know. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> but if you grow salads like this in your backyard, even in pots, you know, if you start with this and you cut and you wash them and you make a good dressing and you have a big bowl of salad like that, mixed leaves, so you need to have, as I say, different flavors and different textures, a good dressing, a good piece of crusty bread, you know, fantastic. You know, a lot of people think you will need a large backyard, you will need a, you know, a lot of attention, a lot of work, and use a lot of chemicals to kill the bugs and uh, all these kind of things. I mean, for me, it's much more simple than that, you know. But it's, is it important to know when to plant, when to pick, when to water? I mean, you do this by intuition, but if someone has, hasn't got a lot of experience, what are some of the really important things they have to get right when they well, want to grow is, I mean, the, the most basic thing, I will say, is... You never plant anything during the day. You plant uh, very early in the morning or late at night or, you know, late afternoon, you know, around 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. Uh, my favorite one is late afternoon because I believe that the veg of the, the time to have a good sleep and wake up the morning and say, well, okay, I need to walk now, I need to grow, you know. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <my view. laughs> I thought there was going to be some mad scientific theory behind it. It was just your gut feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. As I say, it doesn't need to be complicated, you know. I can make it complicated if you want by using the moon, cy- the moon cycle and all these kind of things. But I think for the beginning, passion doesn't come with something very complicated, difficult, you can't understand. It has to be something simple. You have a quick uh, reward, so you feel you want to do more, and then it becomes a passion, you know. So, veg in my garden, I clean them. Half an hour later, I cook them, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> they don't right. need anything. They don't even need to see the fridge, you know. <laughs> That's at Willow Vale, where you've just set up your cooking school. Yeah. You're now conducting classes. What kind of things would I learn? Okay, I want to, people to see that you don't need to, uh, to eat so much meat and fish to have a great meal and to use a vegetable in a way that they become complete part of the dish, if not sometimes the main part of the dish. It's about uh, doing something a bit different, you know, like uh, maybe a course on fermentation, a course on uh, the perfect picnic basket, and then we go on the top of the hill on my land and we have a nice picnic, you know. They feel at ease, and they have a nice day, they have a nice food, they go back home. Wow, you know, I'd like to do this again. Well, Bruno, um, I think next week, for those people... You want to book next week? Well, I... (laughs) I'm not open. (laughs) I'll tell you what, next week we're going to hear more from you about exactly what will go in that perfect picnic basket. Mate, um, can can you have a think about, between now and next week, some amazing, amazing recipes that we can do in the home from the garden? Yeah, sure. See you next week. Well, this episode of Better Ideas has been in the garden, hasn't it? I hope you haven't been too burnt. I've got dirt under my fingernails, Joanna Griggs and Bruno LeBur. Now, this Friday night, if you need even more inspiration to give it a go, Jason on Better Homes and Gardens is building a green wall. So if he can do it, it's even given me even more confidence. 
I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have, why not tell your mates, subscribe or even leave us a comment. Let us know of your better ideas. And if you use the Acast app, you can watch along as well as listen. Hey, next week, we're talking to Bruno again. He's taken those veggies out of the patch and putting them in the pot with some great recipes. And I'm also talking to Tone Wheel, my architect mate. He's talking everything sun, solar and savings as we continue our sustainable living conversation. A lot of S's there. That's next week on Better Ideas. Better Ideas is a Seven West Media podcast. Producer, Loretta Farrell. Executive producer, Nikki Hamilton. And I'm your host, Pete Calhoun. Thank you.